It is 18 hours, 32 minutes, and 50 seconds, East African time. Time for John Sibi Okumu on Wednesday. This being Wednesday, the 27th of July, 2022. Hello and welcome. 12 days to go. There are many appeals to the country's youth in the election campaigns. Our constitution makes specific mention of the youth in Article 55 of Chapter 4 in the Bill of Rights. The state, it says, shall take measures, including affirmative action programs, to ensure that the youth access relevant education and training, have opportunities to associate, be represented and participate in political, social, economic and other spheres of life, access employment and are protected from harmful cultural practices and exploitation. Our guest in this edition, a mystery guest at first, comes from a specific youth demographic. I'm sure she won't take it unkindly if I reveal at the outset that she was born and bred in Madare, one of Nairobi's informal settlements, or less quaintly, one of Nairobi's slums. According to statistics, there are approximately 2.5 million slum dwellers in about 200 settlements in Nairobi, representing about 60% of its population, but occupying just 6% of the land, all legally owned by the Kenya government. They include Kibra, the biggest slum in Africa and one of the biggest in the world. Now, it would be unfair to ask my guest to be a spokesman for all young Kenyans everywhere, but I am interested in her own response to the sample answers to the question, as a young Kenyan, what would you most want from the incoming government? Jay, kama mkenya mchanga, ni jambogani haswa ungependa serikali ijayo itekeleze. Stop hiring personnel from outside, like to build roads, railways, because we have capable people who went to school in Kenya. I'd like for the incoming government to create policies whereby they will give loans to the youth at a cheaper interest rate, create business and create employment, which will favor the country and help the GDP. Because it's so depressing. Like, I didn't sit in class for four years in the news and I would like for the incoming government to give youth representative a chance in the parliament. We can have a female one and a male one to communicate. They make sure easy manifesto they fulfill them working here in those positions that they are asking for. Better our economy. It will give the youth better job opportunities. And then we would like for healthcare to be cheap because a lot of healthcare is expensive leading to a lot of deaths especially if you can't afford private reduce the cost of living because prices of commodities have gone up in our different counties they might create workshops where youths from different counties come interact with each other showcase their talents 
so that it can boost their it can boost their confidence Mwanangu, it seems to me that um, everybody wants more opportunities. What do you think about those comments? Thank you, Mwalimu. Um, if you could listen to the voice of the youths, it is frustration that is being highlighted. The youths of this country are so frustrated with how things are being run, with what the future looks like if this is our present. Um and we are hoping that the incoming government comes with solutions. We have had a lot of plans for the youths, we've had a lot of manifestos, but we want to see solutions to our very everyday lives. Solutions to the high cost of living, solutions to cases of police brutality, solutions to cases of social injustices, solutions to uh, our everyday life basically. I'd like you to go back one and um, address this idea. <laughs> There's a long list of there of solutions to be had, but I started off this particular edition by drawing particular attention to informal settlements. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2.5 million people mm-hmm. living on what is a small piece of land, if you're explaining it to a, an intelligent seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I introduced you as something as someone who comes from this particular background. Mm-hmm. Would you like to evoke what it is like for those 2.5 million people that perhaps I don't know to tell you the truth? Wow. Um those 2.5 million people including myself are living lives that are indignifying to say the least. When you cannot find a toilet in your vicinity, when water is a problem, when um, housing is a joke in this country for years and years, and that we call them slums and informal settlements. Um, Are we trying to maintain them at that? Are there any efforts towards making them better for the citizens that are living here? Because I feel like there's been systemic neglect by the government intentionally to leave out uh, these people in their depro- de- deplorable living conditions. Mm, well, let them stay that way forevermore, yeah. you're saying. But I'd, again, images, mm-hmm. uh, I, I keep on in this particular program saying there are certain images with which we are fed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll take you one which is a negative image, which is that of uh, forceful evictions without any kind of forewarning. Now, is this an experience that you could describe in greater detail? Yes, yes. Uh, Thank you for bringing that up, actually. It's one of the issues I have been wondering how we are able to let that happen in a country that prides itself in upholding the rule of law. My friend comes from the Mukuru slums, Mukuru Kwanjenga, and I went to visit her when the evictions took place, and it really broke my heart. I saw mothers with children outside. I saw hopelessness in their faces. I saw fear of what tomorrow might bring. And that they were just sleeping. Now, when my friend writes the story, she's like, you know, I just finished my night activities and I was going to bed. And we had the tinga tinga thing that comes to uh, Bomoa, the houses. At night, you're sleeping. This is your own government. This is not uh, colonialism or invaders or no warning, no notice, no nothing. I think we need a government that loves us, first of all, 
as Kenyans and as youths and respects us enough to say, we will be relocating you to place A or B, you know, some kind of respect and human dignity should be accorded to these people. Another image, slightly more positive this time, uh, Kibra. Mm -hmm. uh, in the papers, you wake up uh, by the nation, the standard. Uh, We've got to get all those names in there, otherwise otherwise, we'll be deprived, the people, <laughs> the star. And um, you read something like, uh, there have been improvements to Kibra. Uh, they're building uh, what are considered to be modern housing. Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to be flushing loose. Everything's going to be fantastic. The president goes there to open it up, goes there to uh, open up a police station. There's a brand new road that goes cuts across it. There are street lights to make sure that there's a reduction in crime because people are more visible and it's not that easy to do awful things. Mm. Uh, couldn't we just let the government off, the government's past governments off, saying they're trying very hard but the scale of the problem is too large. If you wait long enough, your turn mm. will come. Well, I would really love to um, congratulate the government, but I think there needs to be a focus on what development really is and if this development is for the people. Let me tell you, these roads will not mean anything for the people of Kibra if they cannot put food in their mouths, you know? Development must be development for the people and by the people. It has to mean sense to my personal life fast because I think I have seen a lot of government borrowing and it's spent on infrastructure. If that money was channeled to improve the living conditions of the common Mwananchi, I think we would be somewhere as a nation. There's another thing there. Nobody's come up to me, uh, my dear child, and said... Um, Here's money for nothing. So I don't have a job. Whoever it is who lives there doesn't have an income that where you can go off and buy uh, a banana. Now let's not get into that trick question of how much is the price of a banana that our presidential <laughs> candidates are being asked. But they're saying uh, in a capitalist society, we mm -hmm. have espoused capitalism. Uh, you have to earn money before you spend it. So again, uh, is it the government's fault that it can't create a million mega jobs for everybody and pay them well? Again, when some of these people are perhaps uneducated, so to speak, mm -hmm. they couldn't take your place in that seat on this program mm -hmm. and articulate their desires as you have. Mm -hmm. So in other words, uh, let me slightly be a bit edgy. Uh, uh, the biblical, the poor will always be with us. Hmm. Nah. I don't think so. I think capitalism is actually that problem that we're trying to address. I don't think society must always have poor people. The role of the government is to take care of the population. So if we are saying we must create a system that has poor people, we are saying we should create a system. And I'm saying that create a system where it is inevitable that there will be poor people. No. And this is played out in if, if you uh, if you went to New York, everybody would say whatever you do, uh, don't go to Harlem. Uh, if you go to uh, London, they'll probably say don't go to I don't know where not to go. But this idea that relatively speaking, there will always be pockets of poverty in uh, ostensibly very rich countries, Egypt, South Africa, Nigeria, so um, why blame our own? 
Well, what I'm saying, I'm not uh, particularly blaming our own. I'm saying the problem is that global capitalistic system that ensures at any particular given time there's a mass of unemployed people ready to be employed. Okay, I think we could just have the first of our three breaks. Uh, uh, lots to ask you, but let's stop for a moment. Okay. Mwanangu, um, just to allow you to think ahead, I'm going to try and create some kind of thematic uh, approach to our conversation from now on by asking you uh, what are your specific asks and then we can get into slightly more detail. But before then, another topical view, and that is that as the elections approach, mm-hmm. those who don't live on the 6% of the land who are living in the leafy suburbs and the big are being told, uh, gear up on your security, mm-hmm. uh, build whatever, because this great uh, phalanx, this great brigade of awful people on the 9th or 10th are going to come and... Uh, loot you, do awful things to you, be prepared. Mm. Uh, And also, if there are any hot spots that are going to emerge in Nairobi, they are invariably going to be in these slums. Mm -hmm. Avoid these people. Mm -hmm. Uh, An unfair question, Wanangu, but I'm trying to say, Mm. uh, when you're being described in those terms, how does it make you feel that you are inherently and biologically and genetically part of the social problem. You're wired up, geared to be violent. Do we even belong in this system? Begs the question, you know. Um, It is unfair. And it is also a creation of this system that is telling the people to gear up and protect themselves. The thing is, for as long as there's social inequality, there's always going to be that kind of fear. There's always going to be the, the, the class issue of the rich and the poor, because this is what it's all about. The, uh, when we go down to the details, when we go down to what it's really about, it's the haves and the have-nots. The haves being told, protect yourselves, the have-nots might come for you and take uh, your things forcefully so we have to protect ourselves why don't we just take care of the have-nots in our society to ensure our own security as well because the have-nots will not tolerate the deplorable living conditions forever you can only put up with so much you can only put up with uh, the indignity and social injustice for so much so we need to get to a point as a country and have this conversation of social inequality because Kenya has one of the highest uh, social inequalities in the world. Malimo. Mm. But okay, I, I agree. I'm just trying to visualize this in terms of timing. Mm-hmm. Why is this uh, great fear of Armageddon always coinciding with the election period? And I'll, and I'll add to that because yeah. don't remember that there, do, don't forget that there are people who are seeking mm-hmm. to be our governors, to be our MCs. Mm-hmm. And they, they don't necessarily live amongst you mm-hmm. uh, in the informal settlements. So the, the big query is, why are you voting for people with a population of 2.5 million mm-hmm. who don't represent your interests? Does that not suggest, sorry, I'm going to sort of go on a bit of a rant here, mm-hmm. an absence of uh, political education, which is your fault, not mine, mm. 
you as a representative, not you as my dear, dear daughter. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's a lack of political consciousness among um, our population, to be honest. There's a, there's, 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 a, there's a section of the youth that are woke and are aware of what's happening, but then that's a small percentage. The majority of youth in the informal settlements, I would say there's a political lack of um, consciousness that we are trying to deal with in our own capacities, those of us who have seen what's really going on. Yeah, but normally it's the government that's meant to, the social and the civic education is meant to come from the state. So there's a call here for self-education. Is that going on? That is what we are forced to do now. That is Mm. what we are forced to do. Youth to youth. Can we tuneza pelekananarada sisiwenyewe? Youth to youth, because the IBC has failed on civic education. The, the, the government has failed on civic and political education. So we have to take up these issues by ourselves because we are interested in having a nation that works, uh, a system that works for us and for everybody else that's involved. Because as the youth, we feel like we've really been discriminated in the system. Even to get a political seat is such a hassle for a common youth out there. It is such a ridiculous process. Well, first of all, you don't have any money, I presume. Yeah, you have no money. It's not easy for your constituents to vote for you because there's this notion uh, you will you will go to the other class and leave us. Uh, just some silly notions that we need to combat. Right. Sorry, but without, sorry, without naming names, yeah. again, let, you'll know who I'm alluding to now. Mm-hmm. In the last elections, uh, a man of the people, from the people, went head to head in such a informal secu- uh, settlement area mm-hmm. uh, and lost <laughs> lost the election mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the aftermath was a wonderful film about uh, his activities and how his whole family but the people did not vote for him the people voted for the person who gave the uh, 50 bob 100 uh, 500 bob handout and there are lots of people going around here with suitcases full of money, mm-hmm. just giving money to people. Now, if you're the, 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 the underlying sort of rejection there, if, the, if you're so gullible mm. as a person that mm. if at the end of this program mm. I offer you 500 bob, then you'll vote for me next week. Mm. Uh, it's not looking that good for me in terms of thinking. Yes, it's not looking that good. Um, and this is where we, we as a country, also have to take responsibility for some of the choices that we make. Politics has become such a lucrative something that uh, we are not even looking for leaders per se. No, it's, but sorry, I'm going to bring you back. I'm talk, talk about yourself. Talk, talk about young people. Talk okay. about your demographic. Talk about people who came. It's going to be clear that somehow you've managed to, uh, when you tell us later, you've managed to free yourself, continue to do bigger and brighter and better things. Mm-hmm. So you've gone up the ladder. What are you doing? What is being done for those below? For in, in, There's a certain level of hopelessness because the government has ignored you, mm-hmm. we're saying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, could you just comment on that before we take another break? Um. It all boils down to political education. We need to have these conversations as the youth, if if I have to be honest, and even the material conditions. If I haven't eaten for three days, and you know, the dynamics are different mtaani, when it comes to elections. I was having a community dialogue yesterday in Madare, and I was, I was shocked myself to hear some of the 
uh, uh, things that happened during this election period kwa nini it almost feels like it is not kenya things like uh, uh, pressuring people because you took the the money from uh, aspirant a you have to vote for this person and there are goons outside pressuring you and waiting to see if you vote for this person and of course vote in secret so you you as an individual you already have the subconscious fear that those people outside there are waiting for me to not vote for this person so they can rough me up or something so i have to vote for them but in theory they all, they all, the, in theory the kind of uh, voting uh, guaranteed by the constitution is meant to be secret ballot yes it's meant to be secret ballot which again goes back to civic and political education it really is a problem in informal settlements for everybody for the youths for the women for everybody it needs to be uh something that the government and the IBC really really focus on if you want to have tangible change in how we do elections in the country okay so shall i go back we've got 3 minutes to sort of unpack the first one before the break mm-hmm. is if i asked you the question that we asked what would you as a young person suggest are the big 3 or 4 that must be addressed in terms of solutions you, you talked to solutions earlier on number 1 the high cost of living it must come down listen we have high unemployment rates in this country 500,000 youths graduate from university every year 75% of these youths are not absorbed into the job market we have not talked about the youths that are not going to that have not gone to university so a lot of people have no means of survival and then the high cost of living comes in so survival becomes even harder uh, a lot of these youths are growing up and we're thinking um how is my family going to survive in this hard sorry situation? sorry 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 to appear flippant and rude i i go back to this idea the high cost of living is the assumption that people ought to be in our society fed for free no that's not what i mean well <laughs> that you now your tummy's full because you've just been fed uh, so the high cost of living doesn't apply to you anymore ushakula chakula uko vema zimira nkonja juzi tulikuwa nza revolution there was a match there have been several matches mtani on matters nja revolution the people are hungry for real okay that's time for a break um and we'll continue uh, on this particular okay. topic Monangu uh, I I did I did uh, give you the right to define where we'd go with the topic and I'll stick to that. Um what would you like to uh, highlight as a thing to solve? I would love to see social justice as one of the major agendas of the incoming government. Right, expand if you would. Social justice is basically speaking to our living conditions as the people. It is enshrined in Article 43 of the Kenyan Constitution. Basically, right to food, which is what we are saying, cost of living, uh, is is quite high. Right to proper housing, 
right, to clean and adequate water. Imagine we are asking for the basics from this government, for the basics to live a life with dignity because it's been undignified for quite some time. We are also asking, in my, my, my other personal ask, is that the incoming government sets up an inquiry of commission uh, on matters of uh, police excesses and extrajudicial executions and enforced disappearances. Many human rights reports, uh, organizations have highlighted that this is a major problem in the country. We've seen the Rivayala thing. We saw the Kiandrokoma brothers. Uh, we have a report at Madari Social Justice Center called Who's Next, basically highlighting the many issues of social, of police excesses. And I would like the next government to take this very seriously. Human rights and social inequality are vital for society to progress. And I would love to see this given priority. Right. Well, again, we've agreed. Uh, you have to talk more um, because I could have a comeback on each and every of the things that you've done, uh, said ought to be done. So I want you to elaborate. I mean, because it's so sort of trite, you know, uh, there's, there's, um, there's no social justice in any country in the world. I want you to be more specific in your in highlighting. So, uh, women, children, people like what are they going through? You know how they always say, tell me a story. Tell me a story which illustrates what you're saying. Mm. I can tell you a story of uh, a woman in my community. She lost uh, her son to police killings during the election violence. She's a, she washes clothes at Isili, at nearby Isili area. And uh, this, is, this is to highlight that um, the kind of lives that ordinary Kenyans are living are very difficult lives. And this can be solved by political goodwill. Like the incoming government has to have the will to make the lives of Kenyans better. I have not seen any political goodwill to be honest with you. To so, take sorry, I, I cannot resist the temptation to say if the police are bad, then what is the goodwill that's going to make me encounter a different type of policeman? A different a, a policeman who won't ask me for a bribe or try to find something wrong or try to extract some money for no good reason. Because that's, Mwanangu, that's the situation in the ground. We're talking for about solutions where yeah. we know exactly what we're talking about, and then you're saying the government. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Okay, I'm, I'm not writing a play about it. I'm not writing a film script. Okay, the solutions needs to be there, even for these policemen, because they require social justice for them to act with with humanity towards fellow humans. You know, I know their living conditions are also terrible. So when we speak, we speak for them too, that they deserve to live good lives like every other Kenyan. So the main issue is that uh, we have political goodwill to make life better for Kenyan youths, to make it easier to conduct business, to make it easier to live with dignity in this country. It is not, um, it is not unheard of. It is not a dream too big to have Kenya that has social justice. And I think if we aspire towards that at this particular moment, in the next couple of years, we would be somewhere because we are moving towards that direction. We are intentionally moving towards making life for 
making life better for Kenyan youths, for Kenyan women, for Kenyan people. Okay, so I'm going to go back to read what I read at the beginning about the guarantees in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And I'd like you just to comment on each and every one as they come up. One of them, the state shall take measures including affirmative action programs to ensure that the youth access relevant education and training. Comment, please. I appreciate the government for the affirmative action, especially the Kazim Tani, the NYS thing that happened. But the bad thing about this country is the corruption. Even for affirmative cases like this, we still find cases of corruption that um, turn the whole thing upside down and, you know. Okay. Um, have opportunities to associate, be represented, and participate in political, social, economic, and other spheres of life. That is lacking. We are pushing for youth uh, representation in some of these decision-making tables and in, in conversations that uh, are discussing the youth. Pushing means what? We are pushing, f we are asking that uh, youths are put in these decision-making tables to advise on what would work for us because decisions are being made for us without consulting us on what we want or what would work for us. So without uh, naming any political party per se, mm -hmm. could you say a manifesto promise which makes you have some sort of hope because at least one of the political groupings is thinking specifically about youth or would you think that the manifestos with which you're being presented currently mm -hmm. uh, still don't represent great change because I'm trying to say again as to the level that you yourself are educated about because mm. we're talking about um, the next month on the 9th we're going to vote mm. and I'm trying to steer you into the kind of thinking yes yes what would you say um, I think the the manifesto on fighting corruption is quite attractive yes because it is the one thing that has pulled us back and continues to affect our financial situation as a country okay uh, we had access employment. There's high unemployment rates among the youths. Which you've, which you've described. Yes. Right. And are protected from harmful cultural practices and exploitation. Do I take it that harmful cultural practices equals female genital mutilation, FGM? Early marriages. Early marriages. Yes, um... We still have a long way to go on that. There are some efforts that have been put, but still work in progress. Okay. Again, mm -hmm. in your particular jurisdiction, mm -hmm. uh, are there are, are are there stories to be told about harmful cultural practices? Yes. I mean, is it are young girls, uh, paedophilia, whatever? Are these constant in in these? informal settlements it's mainly early marriages especially among the uh, muslim community mm -hmm. uh, i think because of the poverty levels uh, i think your parents uh, feel you're better off married and try to get some income for yourself so early marriages and fgm okay quite rampant. do you find that there is uh, exploitation is a word mentioned here Yes. What What is your understanding of exploitation amongst the youth demographic to which you belong? Being used for either political gain or um, your labor with little or no compensation or regard for your safety. A story? 
a story. Yeah, I keep on because uh, I'm yes. trying to say you've the lived a, the lived experience, the lived a, experience. Yes. What happened to me? It happened to my friend. It happened to my mother. There was a rally the other day. Uh, I think a month ago. There was a rally, and a lot of youths from my community were mobilized to go with uh, Ndudi to this rally. And most of these youths don't have this Ndudis, so they hired them at, I think, a thousand bob because they were promised a lot of money after this whole activity. But when they okay, went, explain to people listening to us in New York because yeah. we've got listeners in New York. They write to me every weekend. Oh, uh, What is in English? What is it? What is some it? motorbike. Okay, okay, it's a motorbike. It's a motorbike. Okay, so they were these youth were asked to go go back to the beginning of the story. They were asked to attend a rally. Yes, uh, an opposition rally. Just go and disrupt. You yes. Know? So first of all, they are being used. Yes. To go and disrupt this rally, they were promised uh, some money, some yes. some big amounts of money. So they hired new these, and they all went to the to the opposition rally. They were met by the security forces waiting for them. So it was a lot of a chaotic experience. Many of them were arrested. They lost their bikes, uh, their motorbikes, and uh, one of them died. In fact, today as we speak, we have lost ten youths from Madare from election-related violence cases. Yeah. Um, so when, uh, when, when their fellow youths came back to the community and told us uh, this story, it was so sad how our youths are being used in this political season. That is exploitation of the youth because they are poor, they are hungry, they are jobless, they desperately need this one, two thousand that you're offering them. Please comment on this idea because now the youth, as you're presenting them, mm. are a united front. They're all one. Yes. So whatever is meant to be um, ethnic and tribal in mm. the rest of the country, mm-hmm. as far as the youth are concerned, they represent a united front. They're all brethren and sistren. Is that correct? I would, I would like, I would love to say that, but if I am being honest, even among the youth, the tribalism has not escaped us. There's still a bit of tribalism here and there. Okay. Again, yeah. elaborate, explain, because you're you're going through the same experience. Therefore, you should be united through experience because you're living the same thing. Uh, it's not only the youth who should be united through the same experience. All poor people should be united through this uh, poor people experience, but we are not. Um, so, in terms of being divided along tribal ra- tribal lines, is also uh, being divided among parties. It's really, really terrible, by the way. If you are in party B, if you don't support party B and I'm in party A, we are conflicting and conflicting at serious levels. We could fight, we could. It's terrible. People are already moving to Ushago, to rural areas from Nairobi in anticipation of just what might happen because they're already seeing the, the signs. Well, as you've said, there have been a number of deaths. Yes, as I have said, there have been a number of deaths. Right. Okay. Uh, Again, now I want you to expand with adding to our conversation the Mm -hmm. idea of rural Kenya, Mm -hmm. because you've just said people are are fleeing to the hills, they're they're Mm -hmm. leaving the big city. Mm. Now, do you know enough about young people in those rural areas? Do they live in havens of peace and security in the villages, in shags? I think it's, it's, it's more peaceful in shags than it is in Nairobi. Right. Yeah. Even though there are moments of insecurity, 
like when there was the Mongiki uprising. But relatively, it's more peaceful in Shags than it is in... in Again, sorry, I have to draw your... Te- you have to think of our listeners. Uh, explain Mongiki uprising. What is that? When was it? What was it? Explain. Uh, there was a youth uprising in 2007 um, that, led, that led to some kind of 208. It was basically like a recreation of the Mau Mau that a lot of politics happened, but it was an uprising of the youths coming to also ask for this land, you know, the, histor- the historical land injustices in this country. But that ended up quite badly, and a lot of them were murdered. Right. So uh, I think we're going to take a break, but I want to, uh, again, focus your mind on the last of our segments, which is going to focus on you, uh, who you are, and uh, how you've ended up on the show, because <laughs> we found you sort of uh, living peacefully where you were. Uh, I want you to think about the words that are coming over and over and over in our uh, presidential debates mm-hmm. and they've entered our jargon mm-hmm. uh, if you've been watching them mm-hmm. uh, Kenyans are speaking of state capture they're talking of the deep state mm-hmm. uh, they're talking we've already mentioned corruption mm-hmm. but there's also this uh, buzz uh, ex- conflict of interest mm-hmm. uh, and there's also among our leaders, these accusations and counter accusations. Where in Mwizi, you're a thief, Mimisi Mwizi. For young people, do you have a sense of your history to appreciate whether these people who are saying that are aware of their own conduct? So, in other words, we're going to the idea of leadership and integrity, mm-hmm. chapter six of the Constitution. Uh, maybe before. I ask you who you are, you could comment on those things in any particular order. But for now, we'll take a break. 7.15. Okay. Capital FM. Wanangu, trending formulations. We hear them in all these debates. We hear them in all these rallies. We're going to stop state capture, Mm -hmm. deep state. What do they mean to you? Well, state capture is when an individual uh, gets state's power and uses that for individual gain, for their individual gain and their families, maybe. And uh, deep state, I think it is the people indulging in state capture and the people who are presumed to make decisions for the rest of the country. There are people, I think in, in, in our eyes, we don't see them or know them. It's like a a group of really um, so there's a sort of um, mafioso kind Don of. Uh, Marlon Brando Don Corleone <laughs> that kind of thing kind of I don't know you, if it's a real thing but well, I, yeah but you have reason to fear that it exists I have reason to fear that it exists it's, it's almost like Ikenya inawenyewe kuna watuakusem on your deep state Again, that exists almost everywhere in the world. There are yeah. people who, by virtue of their money mm-hmm. and the acquisition, so it's almost as if we've adopted capitalism as a way of life, but we don't want to accept the indices of capitalism, that a very rich person can influence. It happens. It happens in the United States. It happens in the United Kingdom. It happens in you know, the world powers. I don't know much about what happens in China because I don't know about China. So again, 
why blame ourselves for what exists everywhere else in the world? I blame the capitalist system again. Okay, well, that's another conversation for another time because yeah. so far um, that's what we have. Yeah. Uh, but I want you as a young person to, again, uh, let's. we've gone away from this idea of naming names and shaming. That's not the purpose of this. We're, no, we, we We've said we are positing um, ideas over individuals, elaboration over, uh, you know, that's, yes. we've got all these mottos. But uh, integrity, leaders of integrity, do you feel that in the field the integrity factor is increasing or are you being presented with more of the same? More of the same. I don't, I, it's terrible actually when we talk about integrity in leadership. There has been a lot of letdown in terms of um, dealing with corruption and corrupt individuals in terms of accountability to the citizenry, in terms of public participation about things that matter to us as citizens. Um, I think leadership and integrity as a chapter in the constitution has not been uh, respected as it should. But again, we go back to the question, I'm going to reframe it, we're saying, uh you, you're trying to suggest that there are no such things as youth leaders whose voice could be heard at any of these platforms and who would be able to get up and say, I'm not running for president, but I'm holding my own Kamkunji or my own YouTube. And as a young person, I would say, is this the risk of, of being taken away and tortured and imprisoned still stifling any kind of um, explanation as to who our leaders are. We're scared. We are you scared. Dare, you dare not criticize anybody because no. you're in for the high jump. Is that it? Yes, there's that There's that bit. Um, they got the people who have godfathers and all of that. But then again, there's also a generation of youths that's coming up that is not afraid to question, that is not afraid to call out, that is not afraid to present themselves as an alternative to this system that we say has failed. And I want to take this opportunity to congratulate all of the youths out there who have stood in the gap and said, I think I can do a better job. And I am asking for your votes and asking that uh, we support fellow youths. Right. Okay. So normally at this stage of, of proceedings, because um, it's a sort of unscripted conversation, mm -hmm. I would ask you, just before we find out more about you as a person, whether there's something that you wanted to say given this grand opportunity i stress the word grand with lots of uh, <laughs> uh, never get this opportunity again that you might have wished to say but you know i've been butting in and stopping you from saying it uh, maybe you haven't been tracking your thoughts but what do you think we ought to be thinking about as young people because that's our constituency consolidate our constituency as young people as we have seen we are 75 percent of the kenyan population that is uh, a lot of power in coming together and in designing the kind of future we want to see because there's a fear that maybe the people in authority don't really know what the youths want there's a disconnect that's happening and when we come together we can be able to create together the kind of future we want to see for ourselves and our generations that are coming after us. 
So would I could I challenge you? Let me try and I'm, I like forming political party names. Could you, <laughs> Wanangu, be the the leader of the YPP, the Young People's Party, and mobilizes 75% to vote for you? Then all of a sudden we'd have a president who's under 30, like yourself. That would be wonderful, but we have the Revolutionary Socialist uh, League party that's coming up. Oh, so, yeah, so for that, the youths. Right, it exists already? Yeah. Oh my goodness, I didn't do my research adequately. Yeah, we have the Revolutionary Socialist League for the youths. Led by whom? Lewis Maganga. Oh. Yeah. Gosh, I, I learn something every day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for telling me that. Uh, mm-hmm. I shall be better informed next time. So, in other words... Um, Paradise is coming. We just have to be patient. Is that what you'd say? Would you end on a note of optimism or a note of pessimism? I'm I would like to. to I'm trying to goad you into. I some would sort like. Of I would like to. I would like to end on uh, optimism. Mm. I want to tell Kenyans that uh, change is inevitable. Right. You know, things have to get better eventually, but it's going to take individual responsibility. We cannot continue to sit down and hope that things get better. Everybody needs to weigh in and see how best they can contribute in building the country and making it better. You know, we always have this um, this uh, program branding of having the mystery guest. I'm sure all our listeners up until this time, mm-hmm. they're saying, uh, here's this uh, young-sounding young lady mm-hmm. uh, who seems to be very articulate and then is... Uh, purporting to have come from the slums and that's a contradiction in terms so first of all Mm -hmm. who are you by name my name is wanjera wanjiru right i am from madare right but okay and uh, how did you uh we've got some minutes to say how did you get to be where you are because you may have in so to speak escaped the dragnet so could anybody be you um uh, what is, uh, what have you done in terms of schooling? What are you doing now? Tell us. You speak for yourself. Um, I'm in campus. I'm pursuing international relations and diplomacy. Right. And in my community, I have, um, <coughs> I have helped set, set up the Madari Social Justice Center. Yes. And I am teaching kids from my community about our history and the Pan-African history because I think it's really important in terms of building self-confidence and identity. Okay, explain how you got to be mm-hmm. a university student studying. Um, anybody could have been you. What are your? Wh- what were your blessings? What were your gifts? What made you? Um, I think um, a lot of goodwill from people. That's when I say so- society has taken care of me. People from the society, people um, who do. This charity works in communities. I was sponsored to go through primary and secondary education. And right. I went, yeah. So why were you chosen to be, look, drawing it out, why were you chosen to be sponsored? What was the particular uh, draw? You were a genius child. And there were signs that you had been born when you came I out. believe I, I wrote an outstanding composition Okay. during the interviews for the people to be sponsored. Right. Yeah, in fact, I was told it was uh, read by all the teachers in the staff room. They're like, who's this girl? Right. Is is the mother here? We want to make sure she gets an education. Right. 
and that's how I got to school and I loved it. I got into drama, right. I got into arts. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I loved I loved it. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed uh, primary school and and secondary school. Right. Went to school in Embu also. You went to school in Embu. Yeah. Right. So now now that you've got to where you are and given what uh, what <laughs> Uh, it's one of those again. Uh, what can we expect to? They, where do we go from here? What are we to uh, expect from Wanjira Wanjiru? Um, I am actually doing a podcast on history mm-hmm. on YouTube, Liberating Minds podcast. You can check that out. So yes. I intend to continue teaching uh, true history. Yes. And giving back to the community in terms of uh, mobilizing the youth and pushing for youth unity because that's uh, really important if we want to create real change in our day-to-day lives. So you're trying to suggest to me and to other young people out there that politics is not the key to changing politics and politicians. You don't want to be a politician yourself. You'd mu- you think you feel that you'd be doing much more as an educator, an activist, than by running to represent Madari constituency in 2027? At this point, yes. It is more important to me that we have uh, change at the individual level first before we can say, let's push Wanjira for Madari MP. We have to stop there. We always have to stop somewhere. Oh, dear. Do continue to give us feedback, hopefully positive and reassuring, on the Twitter handle at Capital FM Kenya or drop us a text or WhatsApp message on 0701-984-984. I've been talking to university student and social justice activist Wanjira Wanjiru and you've been listening to John Sibi Okumu on Wednesday. Thank you for doing that. Until next time.